Welcome to The Rancher's Voice, presented by the Montana Stockroar Association. I'm Jay Bodner, MSGA's Executive Vice President. And I'm Rayleigh Honeycutt, Director of Natural Resources. Join us for conversations surrounding policy, the legislature, and issues that matter most to ranching families in Montana. Welcome to this week's episode. This week we're going to be looking at some key legislation that MSGA has been testifying on. We'll give you a review of what we heard last week. And then we also do have a great interview with Representative Josh Kazmaier, who is the House Agriculture Committee Chair. We want to remind our listeners to make sure to subscribe to The Rancher's Voice. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Make sure to like, share, and comment on each episode. And if you have questions for us, reach out at Kenny, K-E-N-I, at mtbeef.org. So this week, I'd like to start off with House Bill 324. House Bill 324 is a bill that... dealt with placarding, placarding of meat in Montana. We've seen versions of this bill last session, and I think it's important for us to really touch on uh, the position that the Montana Stock Association took on this bill. Um, so just to start off, we did oppose this bill, but I think it's important to really look at the mechanics of the bill and really why we took the position that we did. So just to start off with, um, it would require retailers to label meat coming into their meat counter as they sell it, uh, and they would have to identify it as U.S. or origin imported or origin unknown, unlabeled. And so as we looked at this bill, we think it's pretty important. For one, there is a legal note um, that the legislature had wrote on this bill dealing with there is some concern over the supremacy clause with federal and also with the Federal Meat Inspection Act. So there is concerns from a, a legal standpoint of, uh, of this bill. Um, the other thing that I think is important that we did bring out is that we place a lot of responsibility on the retailers with this bill, but yet nobody has talked to the retailers to see how can we implement this. How does it increase beef sales? And so there was concern and the retailers came in and opposed to this also, just for some of those same concerns. Um, And I think thirdly, one of our last concerns was, um, you know, when you force the retailers into identifying this, we think in many cases, it's gonna be difficult for them to identify this because they're getting in boxed beef, which they're further processing. And so to, specifically identify this if they can't they have to put that origin unknown or origin unlabeled on their meat counter and that's just not an effective uh, mechanism to sell and increase our beef sales and so we pointed out some of those concerns we did say that you know there is there is a program in montana that we have seen great success and that is our made in montana and also grown in montana label and so this is available to those producers if you are a part of that membership you can put that label on your product and it further identifies montana products which we think is a great avenue and something i think that we all recognize and and, um, we'd like to share in that and 
we've seen a 30% increase in that program over the last year. So we know that retailers are using that, small processors are using that. So we think that is a much better avenue to move forward. So, Yeah, I think some great things to know is that to it's a voluntary program and it's free. Uh, you have to show 50% um, value add in your product, which from a meat processing standpoint is really easy to do. And then the other great thing about that program is that uh, restaurants and retailers can also sign up. They can't, the requirement doesn't allow them to put Made in Montana on the product, but they can advertise that they sell or um, their food contains Made in Montana products. So it's a really great program that if you're interested in um, kind of of going down that value add avenue uh, to check out because uh, they do the marketing. It's free voluntary sign up and offers a lot for producers that are interested. So kind of moving on, we'll touch on House Bill 94. So this expanded the loan types that were uh, available for repayment on the loan assistance program. And so it did allow private loans uh, with with federal loans to be eligible for this program for that repayment. So we think that's, it's through the um, Montana Growth Through Ag program. So we think this is also a good bill. And it's been moving on, it's uh, past the House and on to the Senate. The other area that we had a couple bills um, this last week in is in regards to bison. And I did chat about those last week during our podcast, but there were two bills regarding uh, bison and uh, tribal oversight or Indian reservations and bison. So I'm going to kind of clump them into two kind of to give the recap. But the first bill... uh, House Bill 311 was in regards to not requiring paperwork from the Montana State Veterinarian if bison were to be transferred between federal entities. So that would be either um, federal governments, national parks, anything like that. The second bill, House Bill 312, was a little more in regards to um, brucellosis free certificates and bison coming out of potentially Yellowstone National Park and moving to a tribal entity or reservation before testing brucellosis free from the state veterinarian. Uh, We stood in opposition of both of those bills as we continue to advocate for uh, continuing the disease management program that the state has in place, as well as the importance of our brucellosis free status for the state. Yeah, and we've seen these bills in um, similar fashions in the last couple of sessions. And I think it's also important to, uh, to recognize that the Department of Livestock and the state vet did also stand in opposition to this these two bills and just recognize that, um, you know, these bills would allow uh, putting our, I think, our state management program in jeopardy. And so we certainly don't want to move down that direction. So um, hopefully we'll be successful in opposition to these two bills once again. Um, we did have the opportunity to get um, in front of the Senate Fish and Game Committee on a confirmation hearing for the Director of Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, Hank Warsak, and he was successfully confirmed by the Senate, so we're looking forward to uh, working with the Director um, and the Department as we face some of the challenges with Fish and Game and some of the, the wildlife issues that we face. And now I get to come to you with some good news. Uh, Senate Bill 27, which was the livestock 
loss multiplier that we've talked about for many weeks. That has now passed the legislature and is headed to the governor's desk. So that will be one of the first bills that uh, from the agricultural industry that the governor will be seeing on his desk and actually one of the first bills in general that he'll be seeing. So it has passed. It's headed to the governor and we look forward to him signing that in the very near future. Also, as it relates to livestock loss, uh, we've talked about Senate Bill 58. That is the additional $100,000 fund transfer to go to non-lethal and preventative measures for um, predation. Uh, that had its second hearing in the House, and we would anticipate an executive action um, happening with that sometime this week. And then also within the livestock world, uh, Senate uh, agriculture had two confirmation hearings last week, uh, both for Livestock Loss Board as well as the Board of Livestock. Uh, our president, Jim Steinbeiser, testified in those meetings on our organization's behalf. So uh, we look forward to, again, having executive action, action taken um, for uh, SR-63 and SR-66. Yeah, and just as a reminder, so that's Gene Curry and Alan Redfield for the Board of Livestock. And um, and for the Livestock Loss, we had Elaine Alstead, um, Doreen Gillespie, and Joe Kipp. So I um, think those will be great additions to those boards, and we look forward to that. Um, we did have the opportunity also on Senate Bill 29. This dealt with water weather modification. Um, this was um, really went through the Water Policy Committee. Um, it dealt with some cloud seeding provisions in it. And Montana did have some um, laws on the books that dealt with this. So there is some changes to that law through this bill. And we did support this. We did have policy that supported this. Um, there were some, probably going to be some amendments to this bill, but it would allow at least for the opportunity to look at potential um, cloud seeding opportunities in, in certain situations. You did have to do an environmental analysis uh, and there is some bonding required or at least some liability bonding required on it. So we do think this is a, a good build to potentially build up some of that winter snowpack uh, that we would uh, see the benefits of that all summer long. So um, we think this is a good bill and we'll uh, see how how uh, it, it has um, moved out of the first house and or it's in the first house and it has moved out of the committee. Um, next, we do have also um, SR-12. That was the confirmation hearing for the associate water judge and Stephen Brown, and uh, he was also confirmed. So we did stand in support there also. Yes, congratulations to him. Uh, moving into the uh, House tax world, uh, House Bill 303 was had a hearing last week and actually received quite a bit of press, so some of you may have seen that um, in the news cycle as well, but that is the Big Investment Grows or Big Jobs Act. That is the governor's, one of the governor's tax relief bills, and it was sponsored by Representative Josh Kassmeyer. That is uh, for a tax reduction on equipment within Class 8. It will benefit both large and small businesses with an additional $100,000 uh, relief against their business equipment tax. And so we stood in support of that. In general, it will be um, affecting roughly 4,000 businesses within the state and, and providing that additional $100,000 exemption. So now the uh, tax exemption will be at $200,000. 
Yeah, and we've advocated for this moving down this direction in um, business equipment tax. The the one thing that this bill did allow is the backfill and that reduction in that income tax. So they did find a mechanism to backfill that back to the county so the counties are whole. So we do think this is a good bill moving forward. And now let's move on to the week of February 15th. Yeah, we've uh, been faced, uh, we were in Senate local government uh, this week, uh, will be, and looking at a few bills dealing with how um, when subdivisions are reviewed, uh, how they look at agricultural, agricultural lands, agricultural conveyance systems, our ditches, our irrigation ditches. And in many cases, we've seen a couple of bills that would like to eliminate that look at ag. And so um, we did have the opportunity to oppose Senate Bill 174. Um, they are recommending amendments and the sponsor recommended amendments that we think would basically fix our opposition and then we would be neutral on that bill. So, um, and our second one is Senate Bill 231. These deals with family family transfers. It also would allow an exempt well on those. And, and I think for everybody, we know that exempt wells have been a, a pretty hotly debated topic for the last 10 or 15 years. And so in this bill, they also did look at eliminating the exempt well provision on there. That is an amendment that's being proposed by the sponsor. And with that amendment, we would also remove our opposition to that bill too. Looking at Tuesday, we will be in House Fish, Wildlife and Parks for House Bill 352. This is a bill regarding uh, conservation easements. And to boil it down, what it will do is that a conservation easement uh, acquired by a qualified private organization um, that uses public funds will have to allow for public access on that property. So it really forces a government mandate onto giving public access to any new conservation easements um, occurring in our state, which for us, we have huge concerns regarding uh, private property rights, and we feel like it diminishes those private property rights, as well as kind of de-incentivizes the whole voluntary incentive-based program of conservation easements. So we will be uh, going into that hearing, opposing that bill, and hoping um, to uh, share our concerns regarding how it infringes on those private property rights. Yeah, on to House Ag, uh, we do get the opportunity to support two more bison bills. Lots of bison bills. Lots of bison bills. <laughs> These ones, uh, I'll start with House Bill 318. So this clarifies the definition of bison and what a wild bison is. Uh, we've seen uh, a number of versions of this bill in the past legislative sessions, and they've all been vetoed. So we expect a different result this round. Um, this is be carried by Ken Homeland, uh, Representative Homeland out of Mile City. And so it does clarify that position of what is actually a wild bison. So we'll be supporting that. House Bill 302, um, this also is another bison bill, and it requires the county commissioners to have a say in if bison will be relocated to their county. Um, once again, we've seen versions of this bill in the past. This is a great bill that I think allows local input um, for any proposed bison reintroduction into their county. So we'll be supporting that also. And lastly, on Tuesday, uh, Senate Ag Livestock and Irrigation will have one last confirmation hearing uh, in that 
bucket of confirmations that rolled out. Uh, it is the Board of Veterinary Medicine. Uh, we will be in support of the nominees. Uh, they are Paul McCann from Haver, Kate Reed Nelson uh, from Livingston, and if you're listening, I'm sorry, I just butchered your first name, uh, and Katie Ryan from Harleton. So we'll be um, excited to have those uh, folks joining the Board of Veterinary Medicine. And Dr. Ryan has um, actually been uh, one of our committee chairs on our Animal Health Committee, and mm-hmm. so we look forward to, to that confirmation hearing. Moving on to Senate Natural Resources, we have Senate Bill 180. This would establish an interim committee on soil health. Um, we think this is a good first step to talk about soil health. Um, we'll be looking at this. We'll be supporting this bill. Um, yeah, and then on Thursday, there is also a bill on the Senate side. It's in the Senate Ag, Livestock, and Irrigation Committee. It is Senate Bill 210, which is almost a replica or is a replica of House Bill 324, which is the placarding bill that Jay mentioned earlier in the podcast. So uh, we had our hearing in the House side last week. That bill um, is waiting on executive action. Uh, The Senate will be hearing the same bill on Thursday. And again, we will stand in opposition on the Senate side for the same reasons that we mentioned previously. A few other bills that we're kind of watching at this point, we have Senate Bill 230. This looks at the sage-grouse program. And it, and if you go back a few years, the, the state invested $10 million into the sage-grouse, sage-grouse program. And so this looks at a small repayment schedule, basically, to repay that $10 million back. So uh, we'll be watching that. Um, there is another Senate Bill 211. This is another one of these subdivision review laws that looks at agriculture. Uh, we think the language in this bill um, uh, does not necessarily affect us negatively or, or positively uh, for that matter. So we'll be just watching that bill also. And then we have House Bill 372. This is the another business equipment tax, and this would eliminate the business equipment tax. Although uh, this bill probably does have some challenges with the backfields of the counties to make them whole. Um, And so we'll be watching that at this point too. So now we'd like to introduce you to Representative Josh Casper, and he will be joining us and sharing a little bit more about his uh, seat as chair of the House Ag Committee and share a little bit more about some of the bills that he's working on this session. Good morning, everybody. Today we have the distinct pleasure of having Representative Josh Kashmeyer uh, join us today. Uh, Josh, maybe you can just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, and a little bit about your background. Yes, well, thank you for having me. Um, Yeah, I'm Josh Kashmeyer. I represent House District 27, which is um, all of Shoto County, most of Hill County, except for Haver. I take in all Liberty County, and then I take in the north side of Cascade County into a little bit into Great Falls. Um, I grew up on family farm. My grandpa homesteaded, my uncle's still farming it. I help him out. Um, I also do crop insurance. I work for that, doing it on the side in the summertime. Um, yeah, we raise, we raise wheat, barley, cows, peas, a little bit of everything. So great. So you're part of the free labor, you get to go back and help out. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's free labor. You're gonna like that. <laughs> it's you know, I, it's a, it's a great lifestyle, you know. 
the funnest part, you know, you work with your kids, you get to, you know, they're out there branded chasing cows. I mean, during the quarantine last year, I think they spent more time working cows than they did schoolwork. <laughs> we won't tell anybody. It'd be pretty good help when you, you have them around like that too. You kind of hate to lose them. Yeah. Between my cousin's kids and my kids, they've, they pushed all the cats up the chute. They've, they worked their tails off. So they do a good job. It's fun. To have, and they enjoy it. It's good. Yeah. It is great. That's one thing about agriculture. Just it's great for the kids. Yeah, certainly is, and uh, just in just get a lot of certainly a great experience and something that they can carry on for the rest of their life with that. So just a good work ethic, and and they're pretty sought after when it comes to the job market too, potentially. So yeah, they are. You know, yeah, you know, my kids would rather go move cows and um, play on the um, video games. So I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, you're just, you're currently the chair of the House Ag Committee, and um, maybe you can just share a little bit who's on the committee and um, some of what you kind of anticipate uh, some of the bills we'll be hearing on that committee over the next couple of months. Yeah, we got a lot, we got a couple new ones. Um, we got um, Representative Duelene, um, she's my vice chair. Um, we got uh, Vice Chair Olson from the Democratic side. She's been on the committee a few times. We got a, the new ones. We got um, Michelle Binkley um, and Brandon there, yeah. Marshall Malone, um, uh, Marty Malone, Ron Marshall, Ken Walsh, and that um, White Man Pena. But most of them seem to have a pretty good agricultural knowledge or background. So, I mean, it's a fun committee. A lot of them have, you know, we got returning ones. We got um, representing McKamey, Fred Anderson, Becky Beard, Willis Curdy, Moffy Funk, Katie Sullivan, I hope um, Frank Smith. Well, he come from the Senate side, but he's been on ag before. So we got a pretty good committee. So I look forward to working with them. They've been pretty fun to work with so far. We've had a few bills. We're moving kind of slow. We had a couple of livestock cloth board moves. I moved a hemp bill. Um, I go, we got Senator Cuff's um, livestock loss bill coming up, I think, next Tuesday, which is increasing the fund by 100000 So um, we got a lot of bills sitting out there. I, I, mean, I got some hemp bills. Um, I see there's some meat processing bills. I'm going to be very interested in what they're trying to do there. Um, and there's uh, one that's coming from Kitty Sullivan that's a revised agriculture equipment laws. So that'll be interesting. I just got that draft. I'm trying to dig into it, what she's trying to do there. Okay. Great. Well, your committee will hear quite a few bills that impact our membership. And with hybrid session this year, um, it has been a little different. So we would love to hear from you, like what advice you have for our listeners on how they can best connect with your committee, as well as how they can get engaged on the issues that are important to them. Um, you know, the hybrid session, um, I was a little nervous in how it was going to play out with technical issues, but it's worked very well. I think a lot of people have um, attended the committee via Zoom. We haven't had no trouble hearing them, getting them um, heard. So the biggest challenge is I think some people don't realize you got to log on 24 hours before the committee, provide written testimony so you're um, registered and we know that you're going to be an attending. But I mean, for the most part, I think it's the most transparent session we ever had. I mean, in all my committees, there's a lot of people attending via Zoom. 
So I think it's given Montana's a better chance to be heard. Right. So, and I mean, we're still getting a little bit of people attending in person, which is great. We love to see people, but I mean, it's definitely given an opportunity to people to participate in their government. And I think that's important just to mention that uh, registering the noon before um, the committee hearing and just so folks know if they're if they haven't been in the room you as the chair get a list of those people that have registered as proponents and opponents correct yes everything is yeah given to me before the committee we we'd like to have the written testimony to know what who's testifying what they're testifying on we get a list so um that's probably been the biggest challenge people forget they got to do that We've had, I know in some committees, we've made some exceptions just because there's technical issues. People are trying to register online and they can't. It's probably a system fault. Maybe it's overloaded. People all go at the same time, but we're being pretty, um, trying to work with everybody on that. We don't want to deny anybody being heard. Great. I know our members appreciate it. Yeah, certainly. I think just from our perspective, um, you know, I would commend um, you as leadership and really the staff too for the way that's been conducted. Um, you know, certainly from our view, it looks like it's worked very well. And, and I know a number of our members have been able to participate that way. And certainly it's, it's a busy time in agriculture and it's, uh, it's sometimes difficult to make that drive to Helena. And so, you know, it works very well. And um, yeah, so, yeah, we appreciate yeah, it your efforts. Yeah, you look at the weather that's coming. It's a lot easier to stay at home and zoom in. <laughs> yes. So just as a reminder to our listeners, if you are interested in uh, testifying on a bill, you can just go to ledge.mt.gov, leg.mt.gov, and it will prompt you right there to sign up for your testimony. Yeah, I, I've done it just to try it. It's pretty simple. So, yeah. and if you got to, you know, I know there's some people that are sharing the zoom links as long as they're listed give written testimony i mean you can have one computer and we're being pretty understanding of how this all works so kind of work with everybody well just kind of moving on um you know in front of your committee uh bison issues are always kind of at the top of the mind for our listeners and, and certainly uh something we follow very closely and this session you're going to be carrying um, House Bill 302 uh, which deals with authorizing county commissioners before wild bison can come into the county so maybe you could just tell us a little bit about that bill and maybe all a little background on it also. Yeah um, yeah I am that bill got introduced this week um, I carried the same bill last time it was ultimately vetoed by Governor Steve Bullock it's it's a simple bill it's kind of everybody wants to complicate it and dig into the weeds but all this was requiring county commissioner approval before the state relocates wild bison it doesn't affect livestock um or in that at all it's just trying to give the locals some say before you know the state starts moving these animals into the county i mean with the brucellosis we got to protect our um, ranchers i mean let's be real i've had a lot of conversations with people it's hard to contain bison so once they're released they're not going to respect fences they're just going to kind of move however they feel so i mean i know there's a lot of issues that um, tribes feel that we're going to limit them but the state has no jurisdiction over the tribes so 
um, specifically points out that we have no jurisdiction on relocating any wild bison to the tribes. So, I mean, we just want the people to have a say before we move in. And the best way to do that is go to your locals. You know, the county commissioner is going to have to hold a meeting. I'm, you know, get the people involved. Do we want these bison in this area? And if the voters say yes, I mean, they will be relocated. Yeah, we've certainly supported that in the past and we will continue to that. And, and really from our perspective, that does make a lot of sense. You want that local input on, you know, things that affect you locally. And um, it's easy to, to have support for something if, if you don't have to deal with it. And uh, so this kind of brings it back home to having really making sure that anybody in that community in that local county has that input. So yeah, we appreciate your efforts there and we look forward to, to that hearing. Yeah, I mean, you look, I've had some discussion with some people that are raising bison for livestock. They understand the fences that it takes to maintain them bison, keep them in their designated areas, tough. And like they pointed out, you just don't go out there with a four-wheeler or a horse and move them. So it creates a huge challenge if these wild bison start getting mixed in within the herds on BLM ground or, you know, you're going to more than likely have to have the sheriff involved yeah. to get them moved because you don't want um, people getting attacked by wild bison trying, right. trying to protect their cow, um, their cattle herd. Sure. Right. Well, we will definitely um, continue to watch that as it has its first hearing probably in the next week or so. So we'll be tracking that. The other bill that we wanted to chat with you about is in regards to Governor Gianforte's announcement about the Business Investment Grows or Big Jobs Act. And you will be carrying that bill on his behalf. It's House Bill 303. Um, and it's really revising business equipment taxes. So what can you tell us about that bill? Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm happy and honored to work with the governor. On this bill, this is another simple bill, but it makes things a little complicated because you start playing with business equipment tax, it starts touching property tax to the local levels. But all it's really one change. We're increasing it from 100,000 to 200,000 before you have to report your business equipment. So it's, you know, it's gonna help people that are starting out or small businesses that maybe only have 150,000 worth of um, business equipment. It's just raising that level. And it's gonna ultimately, we're estimating 4,000 people are gonna be affected by this bill. So it's gonna help 4,000 small business owners. So um, I we would like to have it more, but you know, incremental steps where let's keep in, if we find more money, we can raise it to maybe 500,000 or maybe in a few years, raise it to a million before you have to claim your business equipment. Yeah, certainly. I think from our, once again, our perspective, that equipment is pretty expensive and it's, um, you know, anytime we can see that raising that exemption, I think that's going to be beneficial. And it, you know, 4,000 um, potential people that would, uh, you know, be eliminated from paying that tax. I think that's a great step in the right direction. And we do understand there are some challenges with backfilling that revenue, but it, it looks like um, you've, and the governor has been successful in kind of navigating that. And, and uh, so we're pretty excited to see those, those steps kind of move forward. Yeah, we worked with, we've been working on this for a while. We were just trying to make sure we're not um, leaving the county short. That's not the attention of the bill. So we've been working with some people on appropriations, making sure everything flows the way it needs to flow. So, right. I mean, and it, and it 
you know, I'm hoping it helps like a beginning farmer. Maybe he buys a tractor for 80,000 or 150,000. He doesn't have to pay taxes on it. Get him going. Yeah. One less bill is always good when you're in agriculture. <laughs> always. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that covers all the questions we had for you, Representative Kazmaier. I just like to thank you once again for joining us today and also, just appreciate your efforts with your ag background and, and being the chair of the House Ag Committee. You've done a tremendous job representing ag and making sure everybody gets a chance to participate. And, and uh, so we think, uh, just commend you and your efforts and, and the work that you've done. Thank you. And yeah, it's my pleasure. Uh, it's a great honor to represent agriculture. It's the backbone of the Montana economy. So. I'd like to thank Representative Josh Kazmaier for joining us today. It's wonderful to have a strong agricultural advocate in that position as chair of the House Ag. And I know that I've definitely enjoyed working with him in the House Ag Committee. So looking forward to working with him and his committee throughout the rest of the session. Uh, we just have a couple reminders for our listeners. Um, this is the seventh week of the legislature. So we are kind of wrapped rapidly approaching the um, midpoint of session. So next week, Wednesday, February 24th, will be the last day that general bills can be introduced um, before transmittal. So that's kind of a key marker for us as we look at what is um, headed towards our direction in the next week or so. Uh, we would anticipate then a lot of bill hearings over the next uh, nine-ish days after that as uh, if your bill doesn't get heard before if general bills don't get heard before that they uh, will not have a hearing for the session and so just a reminder to anyone as we start uh, sharing more information on bill hearings or what's lined up for the next week or so if you are interested in testifying remotely you can still do that that uh, can be done and you can register at leg.mt.gov and just a reminder you must register by the noon time mark the day before the hearing um, to get that link and get set up. So if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us and we'll be more than happy to help you get set up with that. Yeah, and it is a challenge as we get near the transmittal date that things move pretty quickly. So um, sometimes we don't get the three-day notice that these bills may come up. So um, once again, yeah, um, call us if you have any questions or just watch the website. We'd like to thank you guys again for joining us and listening. Uh, just a reminder to subscribe to The Rancher's Voice, follow us on social, and make sure to like, comment, and share this episode. Again, we'd love to hear from you, so if you have questions for us, email Kenny at K-E-N-I at mtbeef.org. And thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody.